In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The last two weeks of Lent are called Passion Tide. The penitential mood of Lent is intensified. The Gloria Patri is removed from the liturgy. Holy images are veiled. And this sets a table for our pilgrimage to Easter through Holy Week, which begins next Sunday on Palm Sunday. The gospel focuses on the identity of Jesus. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. This means that Jesus is the God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, the God who made the world in the beginning. The epistle focuses on what Jesus came to do. It says, with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. This means that Jesus fulfilled the Day of Atonement rituals described in Leviticus chapter 23 and Exodus chapter 16. He is the sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. Now these two truths of the gospel are arguably the most offensive to the world and particularly to our own age. The popular idea is that each person can create his or her own way to God, if people even believe in God. And this rules out the gospel claim that Jesus speaks with the authority of God so that everybody must listen to him. In the gospel, they took up stones to throw at him. In our time, his words are generally ignored or explained away. The claim that Jesus is a sacrifice that takes away sin is also rejected. The cultural idea is not so much that everyone can have their own sacrifice, it's rather that no sacrifice is really necessary because few believe that the human condition of sin separates us from God. The focus on our age is on this world the highest and best good is seen as what Charles Taylor says in his book, A Secular Age, ordinary human flourishing. Religion will be admitted to the party only if it contributes something to the temporal enterprise, if, in Alexander Schmemann's words, it provides help. And the cross is not generally found to be helpful. But my point on Passion Sunday is not to rail at the world or our culture. It is to highlight our mission. The Son of God became man and died precisely to save people who are estranged from him and therefore cannot see him. Among the last words of Jesus are, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. As we walk the last two weeks of Lent with Jesus, it is our vocation to follow him, which means to offer our disciplines, prayers, sufferings, and confessions to God in Christ for the good of others and for the salvation of those who do not believe. Our missionary vocation 
reminds us that the season of Lent is not about personal self-improvement. It is about becoming more like Christ so that our work and witness in the world can become a genuine extension of his. The pursuit of holiness is the beginning of mission. The witness of the church is weakened by the tendency to focus on the evil and unbelief of the world while ignoring our own sins. As 1 Peter 4:17 says, the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. When mission does not begin in our own hearts, the gospel becomes an exercise in changing and judging others. We become like Jonah, sitting on the hill waiting for God to torch Nineveh. Jesus confronted this very attitude. The people of Samaria did not allow Jesus to pass through their country on his final journey to Jerusalem. In response, James and John said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus responded, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy people's lives, but to save them. Jesus expressed the idea when he said in Matthew 5, 44 and 45, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Thus, the measure of our Lent is our growth in love, not just for our fellow Christians and our friends, but also for our antagonists, our rivals, and the lost and rebellious of the world. Over the years in ministry, I have observed a consistent principle of projection in people's behavior. In general, people's behavior towards others tends to be based on their own interior experience. If people experience judgment and condemnation within themselves, they tend to be judgmental and critical of others. Conversely, a genuine experience of grace, of being embraced by God as one is with all one's warts and flaws, leads people to be gracious towards others. Another way that this works is that an unwillingness to face our own sins and flaws makes us judgmental of the sins and flaws of others, particularly the ones we're not willing to look at in ourselves. Our experience of self and our attitude towards others are formed by our experiences in life. And they can only be changed by a new experience. Our encounter with God in Jesus is the new experience that changes us. And it is here that who Jesus is and what he has done has its greatest significance. 
For if Jesus really is the I am who made the world in the beginning, then what he says to us is more important than what others have said to us. If he really has offered the sacrifice through which our sins are forgiven, then his peace really can vanquish the accusing voices that come from other places and ultimately from the evil one. And here we discover the real problem with the cultural idea that we can create our own path to God. If my idea of God is in fact my own creation, then what my God says to me comes from my own thoughts and feelings. This is not truth that can conquer the lies to which I may be captive, nor can it provide humility for my inflated ego. My God will sound very much like me or the voices to which I become captive. Or it may be my angry and reactive response or rebellion against those voices, but in my heart of hearts, I will always know that at root, it is really just me. Moreover, my own ideas and opinions cannot provide atonement and cleansing for my sins, nor can they provide a new and redemptive experience and narrative that causes all of the traumas and tragedies of my life to work together for the good in the sovereign plan of the great I am. My ideas and opinions about God cannot bring Easter out of Good Friday. My point here is to emphasize the real importance of Jesus as the I am and his sacrifice for our sins. These are not primarily debating points for arguments with non-believers. They are the foundations for our experience of new life in Christ. It is not our vocation to convince people that these things are true. It is our vocation to be witnesses in the world for the transforming power of our experience of these things. We talk about making a good confession during Lent. A good confession beyond our open and obvious sins will result from spending time in prayer and contemplative silence with Jesus, the I am. We ask Jesus to reveal to us through the Holy Spirit our hidden defects of motive, our subtle anger and resentment, our jealousy of others, our discontentment and our pride. If we will listen, Jesus will speak to us the truth in love. We will take our good confession with us as we march into Jerusalem with Jesus on Palm Sunday and to the cross on Good Friday. He will die for us and we will die with him. In that death for sin and to sin, we will experience a new freedom 
from guilt, shame, and fear. On Easter, we will renew our baptism, and we will rise to new life with Jesus. We will experience his joy and his peace in new ways. This experience will make us witnesses in the world to the two central truths of the gospel. Before Abraham was, I am. And with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. As Isaiah 43, verse 12 says, I have declared and I have saved. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.